the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, September the 15th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on September 15th, 2001, President George W. Bush ordered U.S. troops to get ready for a war, and he braced Americans for a long, difficult assault against terrorists to avenge the September 11th attack. Afghans got the message. They started streaming out of Kabul, fearing a U.S. military strike against Taliban rulers harboring Osama bin Laden. They were right. We did. We went to war. No one dreamed it would end as Joe Biden ended it the other day. Today in 1776, British forces occupied New York City during the American Revolution. Today in 1789, the U.S. Department of Foreign Affairs was renamed the State Department, or Department of State. Today in 1890, English mystery writer Agatha Christie, she was born today. Today in 1935, the Nuremberg Laws annulled German Jews' citizenship, just like that. No longer a citizen. Today in 1959, Nikita Khrushchev became the first Soviet head of state to visit the United States. He arrived at Andrews Air Force Base just outside Washington, D.C. I could be wrong on this, but it just comes to mind. I'm not looking at this, and I didn't check it out. Just came to my mind. Wasn't it Nikita Khrushchev who, after touring the United States, said the most interesting thing he saw was Disneyland? I could be wrong, but I think he said that. If And I know there's some of you who take notes on this thing, things that happened today in history, and sometimes you check it out and so on. I, I'm not sure about the Disneyland part, but I think, he, I think he did. I think that's what he said. That was the thing that, that struck him the most that he saw here in America was Disneyland. It was Disneyland was 1959. I think it was, yeah, it was open in 1959, wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, forget about that, but he could have said that. Today in 1981, the Senate Judiciary Committee, they voted unanimously to approve the Supreme Court nomination of Sandra Day O'Connor. That's one of those situations where um, Ronald Reagan thought she was a very staunch conservative when he nominated her. She turned out not to be so much, and sometimes that happens. In fact, too often. It happens. Today in 2008 on Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 504.48 points, 4.42 percent, fell to 10,917. Oil closed below $100 a barrel for the first time in six months. There was massive upheaval in the financial industry. Some of you will remember that. I do uh, because it was in the news. Lehman Brothers Holdings Incorporated filed for bankruptcy protection. Merrill Lynch and company, they were sold to Bank of America. And a whole lot of other things happened. A lot of people got hurt during that period of time financially in America and elsewhere. 
One year ago today, Israel signed diplomatic pacts with two Gulf Arab states, United uh, Arab Emirates and Bahrain. They did so at a White House ceremony. President Donald Trump said that would mark the dawn of a new Middle East um, you know, relationship. And they were headed for that. There were a number of other uh, Arab states that, amazingly, were willing to have a diplomatic relationship with Israel, which most everybody, I think, thought that would be a good thing. Nobody thought it would last forever. The Bible is very clear on what happens in the Holy Land in the end times, of which I think believe I personally believe we're living. But it was a good uh, kind of a stall, kind of a pause that Trump was creating. I don't know if Trump understood the biblical implication of that or not, but what he was doing seemed to be very helpful. And it was the first time anything like that had ever happened. Of course, that process was disrupted by Joe Biden becoming elected president of the United States, if indeed he was actually elected. The Taliban is telling the world that they've defeated not only the United States, but NATO as well. The world's greatest military power ever, they say. I'm quoting them. Sadly, who can argue? More sadly, no one is arguing. There's just silence. In America, in Europe, they're kind of right. The way we left Afghanistan is pathetically, pathetically sad. Former acting CIA director Michael Morrell, he was telling CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday, he said, I think the Taliban, when when he's not a Republican, I mean, he's not a Trump administration. He said, I think the Taliban winning the war in Afghanistan and the way our exit happened has absolutely inspired jihadists all over the world. Terrorists are flocking to Afghanistan, making it the jihadist central of the world, while the Taliban is demanding financial assistance from the United States, and China is warning us, the U.S., that we better not sanction Afghanistan, or else. That's the times in which we're living, and the United States, our president is shuffling around, watching his feet so he doesn't trip. I mean, it's pathetic. It's unbelievable. Isn't isn't so-called progressivism wonderful? Why do people embrace this? It must be out of a rebellion toward God and God's eternal principles and values. I don't know. How do you get to that point? You're miserably misled. To look at the world through relativism and so-called progressivism, which is anything but progressive, it's deadly. It's regressive. I'm going to come back to that in a moment, but I want to talk to you just a few minutes. There's not a lot to say about um, (laughs) the election in California yesterday, except that Governor Gavin Newsom, who does not deserve to be uh, continue as governor, in my view, he seems to be very conflicted in so many areas. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but the, uh, the vote happened yesterday, the recall vote. About 47 minutes in after the polls closed last night at 8 p.m. In, in California, here on the West Coast, the Associated Press projected the race for Newsom with early returns showed about 67 percent. 
voted no. That was 47 minutes after the polls closed to recalling the governor. 33% voted yes. That was just under 60% of all precincts reporting that carried through. It was not close, the election. Newsom looked tired. He looked uh, kind of exhausted, really. But he came out last night, and he didn't make a long speech. He didn't need to. He had accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He said, we said yes to say, he was telling the voters, he appeared in, in Sacramento. He said, we said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. Um, he said, we said yes to ending the pandemic. <laughs> well, I think everybody would say yes to ending the pandemic. He said, we said yes to people's right to vote without fear of fake fraud or voter suppression. We said yes to diversity. We said yes to inclusion. And on and on and on. You, you know the talking points. There were, it's interesting, the, the talk, talk radio host and, and columnist Larry Elder, he was, he had the most votes and he was seen as the only real contender for that. But there were 46 candidates running with Elder against Newsom, should he be recalled. I mean, that's dividing up the other side and the votes quite a bit. I would say. But nonetheless, out of the 46, Elder had uh, had emerged as, as the leader. And with 61% of the vote in shortly after 9 p.m., Elder was the choice of 43.6% of all who voted to replace Newsom. Not of all the vote, but of those who voted to get rid of Newsom to recall him. 43.6% of those people had voted for Elder. Newsom had raised $70 million to fight this recall, specifically to fight Elder as he emerged. I like Elder. He, I mean, he, he is what he is, but I like him. If, if I were a California, I would have voted for him in a heartbeat. But Elder only raised, because he was competing with 46 other people who were also raising money, or 45 other. He was one of the 46 candidates. He spent about $600,000 on this, while Newsom spent $70 million on that race. I mean, let that sink in. Last night, Elder, he conceded, and he said, let's be gracious in defeat. And by the way, he said, we may have lost the battle but we're going to win the war, which suggested to me that he's not going to uh, not going to back out of this. He went on to say some other things. And again, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but he said, we're forcing them now to do a better job on the problem of homelessness. We're forcing them now to do a better job on schools. We're forcing them now to do a better job on our forests. We're forcing them to do a better job. And I, I, I wish that were true. I, and like I said, I, I would, I would have voted for Larry Elder in a heartbeat, but I don't think, that's true. I don't think he or the Republicans forced them to do anything except spend a whole bunch of money and tell California, which is is in great part minority now, and perhaps they're not as you know informed. I don't know. We lived in Los Angeles, Marjorie and I did for several years, number of years, when I was serving in the church in North Hollywood. But man, I. You know, I don't think we force them to do anything. They're going to keep doing what they're doing as long as they can get people to vote or as long as they can fill out 
enough ballots and get them into the mix. But in making their choices, California voters responded. The most important thing they responded to was, one, shall Gavin Newsom be recalled as governor? And um, then the other was, who should replace him? But the thing that emerged from this seemed to be that Newsom and then uh, Biden had come in. <clears throat> you know, he's taking credit this morning for, you know, helping solidify a great win in Cal. You know, <clears throat> he really bothers me. I got to be honest with you, more than even Clinton did. But anyway, um, the thing that they really hammered the last week, and Biden was, I think that's what he was saying when he was at the microphone yesterday for a little while. They were really hammering Donald Trump, and they were telling blue California, Democrat California, if you elect Larry Elder, you're going to get a clone of Donald Trump. They used those words, and they said it over and over and over. Newsom said last night, he said, we may have defeated Trump, but Trumpism is not dead in this country. Well, what they call Trumpism and white supremacy and all this other stuff is merely, for the most part, 99.9% of it, is just people who love America. They're patriotic for all kinds of reasons. But the main reason is we think America is exceptional. We think America is great. We think America was founded on biblical principles because it was and all of this. But they have somehow, they have bundled that up and they have made Trumpism and whatever else they want to call it, that patriotism. I talked about the high school in uh, in Sammamish yesterday. Uh, I mean, the kids were just wanting to wear red, white, and blue clothes to a football game on a Friday night, last Friday night, in remembrance of the people who died in the Trade World Centers, 9-11, and the school pulled the plug on, wouldn't let them do it. I mean, that's how far down the tube we've gone in regards to just being able to express some love and patriotism for our country. It's unbelievable. And by the way, um, I mentioned yesterday that the superintendent of the school district, Lake Washington School District, had come out with a letter and that I would get a copy of the letter and I would put it on our website. I did this morning. If you go to faithandfreedom.us, that's our website. Be sure it's .us, not .com. There's a whole bunch of other faith and freedoms out there. There wasn't when we set up that website back in 2003 or four. I can't remember. I started writing daily columns on it, and it's been very humbling, but people literally all over the world read it. Um, But I put the link on that. So if you go to faithandfreedom.us, You'll see the page come up. You'll see my name, so you'll know you're on the right place. Look at, I wrote an article today about Afghanistan and about Biden's issues and how his his leadership and his the consequences of his leadership have become the burden of America. And I'll be talking a little bit about some of the stuff that's in that article that I wrote today. But um, in there is a link to the letter from Lake Washington. I know some of you who are very interested in this, um, can look at that and read that letter. It's just a whole page of, of words that say nothing. I mean, honestly, it is. I mean, that's the deal. That's what it is. It's nothing. 
it, it, it probably it's probably the best example of the hollowness of public education that I've seen recently by this superintendent of the um, Lake Washington School District. His name is Dr. John Holman. He may be a nice guy. I've never met him. I don't know him, but he may be a nice guy, but his letter is is disgusting. He could have said something. He didn't say anything. He just goes on and on and on. And the whole It's a whole page. But if you want to read it, it's there for you to take a look at it, see what he's saying or not saying. Republicans make up about 24% of California's registered voters on par with the independents. They're about 23% in California. Democrats, Democrats make up almost half, 47%. So that's what... The, uh, the recall people, the conservatives, were up against yesterday in California. It did not end well for the Republicans, Larry Elder in particular. But I get the feeling from what he's saying, he's going to carry on and um, he's not going to stop. So we'll see where that goes. We'll keep an eye on it. But I, I think a lot of what we heard yesterday is what we're going to be hearing in the midterm of the, 20, um, the next year's election, 2022 which a lot of important uh, elections are up. And I think it'll carry through into the 2024. I think you should expect to see the the Democrat Party run Gavin Newsom as their guy. They want him to be the new JFK of the party. Um, I think he's deeply flawed politically, maybe personally, I don't know, but um, it doesn't seem to have mattered in this case where, you know, he was caught partying, you know, dinner party up Napa Valley. And, you know, he was telling everybody they had to wear a mask and stay home and do all this stuff. And there he is out partying with all these people. He's lobbyist in his real upscale restaurant. Nobody had on a mask. Nobody was, you know, I mean, it, it's so disingenuous, but it didn't seem to matter. Maybe it, it won't in a national election, but I think it will. But I, just... Be sure that they're going to bring him out as their guy. They need a new face. Uh, Hillary Clinton and all of this stuff isn't working. Kamala Harris, it will not work for them politically. So they're going to bring him out. I, I think they're going to bring him out and make him kind of their poster boy. And they'll run him for president um, soon. I don't know about next election. It depends on what Biden does, but it'll be soon. There's no question about that in my mind. The Taliban gunmen were sitting next to the mullah when he was preaching. I've preached a lot of sermons from a pulpit. I've never had two gunmen sitting beside me. Maybe I needed to have. I don't know. But that's what the mullah had in Kabul's biggest mosque at Friday night prayers this last Friday night. He was giving a a sermon, we would call it, a message to Afghanistan. And these two guys with these, look like 8K, I don't know, these machine guns, were sitting next to him in this big mosque. The message in Afghanistan is, quote, We just didn't defeat the United States. We defeated NATO. We defeated the world's greatest military power ever. So there's a celebration going on. The Bola says, quote, We defeated the Soviet Union. Then it fell. Now we've defeated NATO, right? Maybe they could fall, too. This morale that I mentioned a few minutes ago, CBSU's former acting uh, uh, director of CIA, 
He told CBS uh, Sunday, he said, I, I think not only will jihadists be inspired, but a lot of them are going to come to Afghanistan to be part of the celebration, to be harp, to be part of the jihadist central. Morrell told CBS the deal Trump had made cemented Afghanistan to not harboring any terrorist groups, and if they did, there would be significant collateral consequences. They had agreed they understood there would be consequences. The Biden administration came in and changed all that because he didn't want any hint of Trump and his fingerprints on anything that Biden was going to do. And so he changed everything. He left, I don't know, 60 to $80 billion worth of military equipment behind and, more importantly, Americans behind and just pulled out. We, all, we know the story. We don't have to go through that today. But he said that Biden wasn't wrong, this guy, because he's not a Republican. But he said Biden wasn't wrong in defending himself when he said, well, there are terrorists all over the world. Morale said there are. But he said a Taliban-controlled Afghanistan offers a safe haven. And right now, Morale said, the places I'm most worried about are ISIS in Africa, the Al-Qaeda affiliate in Somalia. But longer term, I worry most about Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and ISIS in Iraq and Syria. Why? Because at the end of the day, the most important thing that a terrorist group can have, the most important detriment of their success is a safe haven. He's right. That's exactly what we have created there in the vacuum. We created a vacuum and it filled immediately. I mean, within hours, it filled. The thing that I can't quite figure out in my own mind, I mean, I, I get it, what's happening, but what, it, what the thinking process is, but this newly created Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, that's what they're calling it now, is thanking the UN for hundreds of millions of dollars in aid while scolding America and telling us to have some heart. This Amir Mataki, he's the um, regime's acting foreign minister. He said this week, America is a big country. I'm quoting him. America is a big country. They need to have a big heart. <laughs> In other words, give us a bunch of money. We've already left. They're, they're one of the most um, well-fitted militaries in the world when you get past China and Russia and a couple of U.S. and Israel and a couple of others. I mean, it's amazing. The plea for Americans to open their wallets came within 24 hours after the United Nations opened a high-level donors conference with a call for the world to urgently send $600 million to help fund the Taliban over the next three months. The world stepped up. This morning, there's an article. It was published last night. The United Nations is now announcing that their $600 million goal has been exceeded, and they have collected $1 billion for the United States. I mean, for Afghanistan. And the United States has chipped in. This is as of last night. We've now given them $64 billion. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just stunning what's going on here. They, The world, and the, what, what they're doing is, is they're saying we're, we, the people there are needy, there are people that are abused. All of that is true. But I, I can tell you, I haven't spent time in Afghanistan, but I've spent time in, I don't know, 30, 40 countries of the world, and many of them backward countries in missionary, Christian missionary work and starting churches and all this kind of thing. I, I've seen this from the other side. I mean, from the back side. This money will not go 
to the pictures of, of children that are hurting and all of that, if it doesn't go through Christian organizations, it will not reach the people. I, I promise you, I've seen so much of it. I've never seen any deviation from that. You find a third world country, they've got third world thinking. And third world thinking means there's a despot and his family sitting at the top somewhere, and you send them a dollar to help a kid that that really needs help, and they take the money and the kid is left on their own out on the street. I mean, that I, I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. I've seen it. I've watched. The only help in these countries is not government help. It's Christian organizations that are allowed or able to work within the context of that. And they, I've never seen a corrupt Christian organization. Maybe there are some. But for the most part, they're doing what they have promised they would do when you gave them a contribution in these countries. I'm not saying all do, but all of them I've seen have done so. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about governments, maybe working through some NGOs, but for the most part, they're working through bureaucratic agencies. And that money always ends up either in the despot that's running the country or in his family's bank account. I don't know. An administration, the Obama-Biden, that can spend $400 million, send it to Iran, strapped on a pallet in the middle of the night. We saw the pictures. I guess they're capable of doing almost anything. There's so much uncertainty in our world today. Let me leave you with this. Let me leave you with 10 things if I have time to go through them very quickly. Don't be uncertain and don't be overwhelmed by the circumstances of our world. The Bible tells us, number one, that we have a heavenly hope. If I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, John 14.3. We have no worries, really. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we have reason not to worry. Number three, pray and give thanks. Philippians 4, 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We have God's peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have we have a life that is anchored in Christ. The hope that we have, we are filled with hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Verse, uh, verse 23 says, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Take that with you today. Thank you for your support 
I appreciate it. We need it. We wouldn't be here without it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.